welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And guess what? The remedy for boredom has arrived, and it's Friday. And guess what? The, the biggest, biggest podcast ever is happening right here on Talk is Jericho, March 15th, 2017. Jericho versus Foley. That's right. Mick Foley makes his long-awaited, much-requested Talk is Jericho debut on March 15th, 2017. Foley and Jericho, it's going to be the biggest podcast ever. So set a reminder in your phone. And also, I got another big podcast today. Maybe the biggest drummer ever, at least one of the greatest drummers ever, and one of the tallest drummers ever. Height-wise, he's the biggest drummer. Pretty damn close. Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is here. Good friend of mine. I got to tell you. I really loved doing this interview. It's one of the, my favorite interviews I've ever done. And it's one of the reasons why I love doing Talk is Jericho, because it gives me a chance to sit down and have uh, a chat with my friends. And I've known Chad since 2002. We met at Madison Square Garden at a celebrity hockey game we were playing. If you've read, it, uh, read my books, you've read the story, and you're going to hear it anyways upcoming on this show. But I've never really had a chance. I mean, I've talked to Chad, seen him many times over the years. But to sit down and talk to him for an hour, an hour and 20 minutes, whatever this podcast is, it was just a, it's just a great experience. Getting a chance to sit down with your buds and actually have in-depth conversations. Really, really cool. And Chad is, is, is great. What, what a tremendous guest. So much fun. Amazing drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, whose new record, The Getaway, is out today. And I was talking to Wise Cousin Chad yesterday. I don't think the Chili Peppers have ever put out a bad album. They might have a couple songs here and there that didn't work. But basically, since Chad joined the band in 1988 with Mother's Milk, all the way up to today, the body of work speaks, speaks for itself. Uh, probably 90% great tune. So I'm really excited to hear The Getaway. I've heard the title track. I've heard Dark Necessities. Um, uh, both of them very, very, very cool tracks the classic chili peppers modern day lazy uh retrospective california sound so chad has been their drummer for years and um you know he's uh he's he's been so solid rock solid working in so many other bands via producer rick rubin the getaway is not produced by rick rubin by the way they teamed up with danger mouse for this album and you hear how and why that happened and we're going to talk about chad's doppelganger that's right. Will Farrell. Ever seen Chad? Never said he looks like Will Farrell. Well, if you haven't seen the big drum off, Farrell versus Chad Smith on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, it's uh, one of the most entertaining things you'll see. They look exactly the same. It's so ridiculous. Uh, Chad's going to tell us all that story of what happened, how it led up to it. He's going to tell us what it was like meeting and recording jo with Johnny Cash. Uh, Rick Rubin produced record that Chad played drums on. And we're going to take it way, way, way back to find out how Chad ended up in the Chili Peppers in the first place. There's also a super popular Red Hot Chili Peppers song that almost never got released. Wait until you hear that story. You won't believe it. Uh, wait to hear so many stories. Chad is a funny guy. He's very excitable. He's very charismatic. He's uh, the greatest drummer, I think, in rock and roll today. From the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Chad Smith and his crazy stories about being mistaken for Will Ferrell. Coming up, one of my favorite interviews I've done in a while. But First, I want to talk about one of my favorite documentaries I've seen. Uh, it just came out on Blu-ray and DVD, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. I can't say enough about this documentary because it's not, uh, it's not about wrestling. It's not about yoga. It's just about a human being getting his life back on track. A very inspiring story about one man's battle back from the brink of death, literally, to reclaim his life family and career and, and reclaim himself and even if you did check it out when it was in theaters you're still going to want to check out the collector's edition dvd because of all the x 
extras that DDP and his team included. There's over 20 bonus features, including a commentary track narrated by Dallas, Jake, and director Steve Yu. And right now, if you go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, you can get 10% off the collector's edition Blu-ray or DVD and anything else you order for a limited time. You all know what DDP Yoga has done for me. Save my wrestling career. Save my singing career. Everything saved my quality of life, and you can see what it did for Jake the Snake. Uh, DDP saved my quality of life, and DDP saved Jake's uh, Jake the Snake's life. Period. So, uh, if you check out this documentary, you will be blown away, and you'll see how DDP Yoga literally saved Jake's life. So, get yourself a copy of this documentary at ddpyoga.com/jericho. Uh, you won't regret it. Be inspired, and then once you get inspired, then you give DDP Yoga and the DDP Yoga Now app a try yourself. Change your life. Life, go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and get 10% off uh, the resurrection of Jake the Snake and also 10% off a DDP Yoga program, which you are going to love. It is going to change your life. If you've been listening to this uh, to this show for the last year, two years, and you're sitting on the fence or you're making a joke, oh, it's a DDP Yoga ad, this is no joke. This is the real deal. And this is why I believe so much in this uh, in this workout. It really changed my life. It can change yours as well. Give it a shot and go check it out now. DDPyoga.com slash Jericho. So, Chad, set the tone for right, the last well, time I saw you. You and I, Barclay Center, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. We're hanging out. I don't know how I got the front table. <laughs> At the Hall of Fame, right. You were right in the front I row. I was right in the front. And, and, and our managers, Q-Prime manage managed Metallica and Lars was introducing at Deep Purple mm-hmm. and Black Keys who introduced Steve Miller. So I think that was that was probably why. Reason why. But little did I know that I'm standing I'm sitting on the on the edge of the table where the aisle is and three feet away is where every inductee is gonna walk up to say their acceptance speech. So <laughs> right, you stand up and start there's Chicago and they're like I was like the greeter. I was like, <laughs> and there's like twelve guys in Chicago. <laughs> nice right. to see. And half of them are going, "Hey, nice to meet you, Will." I, 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 <laughs> you know, David Coverdale said that. Glenn got so mad. He's like, I can't believe he said that. <laughs> Coverdale thought you were Will Ferrell. Was yeah. he joking? He really thought you were Will I Ferrell. Think he did. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> right. You've owned it. Now. I just go, yep, yep, yeah, for sure. At this point, yeah. nice to meet you. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to argue with you on the way up to your acceptance speech. <laughs> yeah, there. exactly, Mister Mister Coverdale. Yeah. So you're sitting there. So, at the so we're sitting there, and by and, the I, end, and I and I and I'm there too. And we always, uh, my cousin Chad and I we were just discussing yeah. the only other Chad that I know besides you. Yeah. We always get to go because we know some people. So we always go every year, and we have tickets to go on the floor, but we don't have tickets to sit at a table. So we're yeah. standing in the back. Okay. And you and I are texting each other. Are you here? Yeah. Are you here? Yeah. Because we're both yeah. huge, yeah, cheap trick fans. So you're there. Yeah. And we're texting each other. And the end of the show, and Cheap Trick's playing, and you roll up. And I'm like, oh, there he is. All right, it's cool. And we are singing and rocking out to it Cheap Trick. It was awesome. Who were, to me, by far the best thing of the night. By far. Because that far. was kind of a, I don't ever want to use the word boring, because these guys are all legends. But it was kind of a non-energetic night of performances, shall we say. Everybody on stage was was Chicago plus. Deep Purple. Know. And I love those guys. But it was it, yeah no it was there was not a lot of fire you know and and but cheap trick brought it mm-hmm. and they were great and it was great to see bunny playing yes so good well, yeah and he played great and speaking of bunny so we're we're sitting there and the show's over and we're like having a great time and his wife is leaving the table and i i'd, I'd spoken to her briefly you know 
because I know Bunny, and I, I say, hey, Bunny, man, how you doing? And so she looked at me, and, and how are you? Nice to see you. So on the way out, she's walking out, and you and I are standing there, and I said, oh, congratulations. And she walks around, and she turns, and she looks at me, and she goes, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really think that she was. No. She's probably how old? 62, maybe. That's being nice. And it was, you kind of had to be there. But but she looked right at us and said, I'm not pregnant. Dead serious. Completely out of context. And I'm now trying to piece together the story. It's now become our catchphrase. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, just text each other, I'm not pregnant. Because it was super funny. It was. And I'm trying to piece it together. I hope she was just being funny. Did somebody say to her that maybe someone thought she was pregnant? But then again, like you said, she's in her 60s. So I don't know what the backstory was. I I hope that it's just her dry sense of humor. Maybe, yeah. You know, yeah. And she was just like, you know. When anyone says congratulations to me, that's my response. I'm not pregnant. Right. Well, I just I, used that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that's that. That's my go-to. That's... But that, I mean, that was that. It was, that... we laughed for. We did. We did. Now, so but, but And that's part of the thing. And we can talk about you guys going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a few years ago. Yeah. Like, Did you have to pay to sit at that table on the cheap trick night? Somebody did. Okay, somebody paid. Because you're paying like big bucks to get those tables. Uh, yeah, the tables. And I think that was one of the things Steve Miller was talking about. Right. He was like, you know, I can't bring my band because, you know, we're all a fan. It's like 10 grand a seat or something something, like that. He was not happy. No, he was not. And then he went in the the press room and really, really went for it. So I I heard. Right, yeah. His speech, you get the end, he kind of, you know, I wish they'd be more transparent and the Hall of Fame should Mm -hmm. do this and that. And, you know, I was like, okay, that's cool. And women, that's great. You know, and then I think he just went off. Because there's some people that are on the side of the coin of, like, the Hall of Fame is cool to be in and others will go oh we don't care yeah but the only people that never showed up was the sex pistols and axel so obviously you care <laughs> right if you're alive i think you show well no and the van halen guys did that's show. right just sam and mike that's right yeah, yeah. eddie Which, and they were bummed they were like you know oh i wish you know the rest of the guys yeah eddie Roth Al, never showed up Roth didn't show up yeah no so but when you guys went in it seemed like you, everyone was pretty happy oh to be yeah. in there we were ecstatic yeah i mean i, I you know the Hall of Fame, I, I think I think it's really cool. I, I think that it can be I, – I understand why some people look at it, oh, it's this political thing and it's this New York, uh, um, you know, these, these, these New York music guys who kind of run it and, and it's who, who they want and, and, you know, bands like Yes and, and they don't – I don't think they go for Prague, that sort of thing mm-hmm. too much. There's certain types of music I think that they tend to lean toward that they feel is – important and influential and deserve it of the hall of fame but you know yeah it's a bit of, it's a bit of a new york boys club a little bit but but i think it's i think it's great it's pretty I mean, cool right it's totally yeah. cool i want the, at the, at the, there's a third floor of the hall of fame in in cleveland and you walk up and it's where all the names are on little plaques and that's kind of all that's up there and it's just kind of dimly lit, and there should be some woo music in the background. <laughs> and you walk down the thing. I'm walking down the thing. I'm looking at all. I don't know how many people are in 700 or maybe 800 by now, but this few years back. And um, I'm walking down. I'm looking, and it's alphabetical. And I'm looking at all the names. I'm like, wow, you know, Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry, and nah, nah, nah. going through the thing. And we get down to the R's, and there's my name 
next to the Rolling Stones and the Ramones. <laughs> right, right, right. The R's. The R, like <laughs> Ramones. Chad from Red the, Hot yeah, Rolling Stones. Yeah, you know, R.E.M. I was just like, yeah. the little guy from Detroit is in the fucking Hall of Fame. This is unbelievable. Yeah. It really, like, that really, like, hit me. I was like, oh, this is cool. And, you know, it's kind of like a... Like a fancy hard rock a little bit with all the costumes. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Some interactive stuff. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. But, you know, being in it for, obviously, the longevity of your career. You know, we've, we've been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's 25 years from your first recording or yeah. something. That's the thing. And, and you know, just, yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. And, and um you know, I'm just yeah, super honored. And flattered, Even just to you know. think about the Peppers being in there, when when you guys first started, and I know you weren't the bat at this beginning, but the Peppers were always very weird yeah. and eclectic, and yeah. it was a mix of hard rock and funk and blues and jazz and pop music. Yeah. Peppers didn't fit in anywhere. No, late '80s, you know, at that point in time, and now the Peppers are this whole world unto themselves that everyone's like this iconic band. You know, I would have never thought. I joined a band in, in the end of 1988, and the band been together since 1983, and they'd made three records. And I didn't really know. I mean, I knew who the Red Hot Chili Peppers were. Oh, the guys with the socks and their dicks. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, you know, right. But I wasn't like a big fan of the, their music. And at that time, they had three records, and they were kind of an underground sort of college radio band you know exactly frat boy rock in a lot of ways yeah you know doing this funk and punk and rock and and then and then i joined and john frusciante had just joined right before me the guitar player was 18 years old his first band he'd ever been in it was his favorite band wow yeah and he's like i'm in the chili peppers and i remember (laughs) little john frusciante with his red mohawk and i was just like Cool. It's a band. They have a record deal. I'll, I'll try out for this band. Yeah, sure. And I'd moved from Detroit literally six months earlier, um, where I grew up. And and uh, did you see an ad in a paper? Or? No, it was a, it was a, a friend of a friend kind of thing mm-hmm. where the, this girl was dating a guy that I knew from Detroit who had dated John and and they knew they were looking for a drummer. And my friend told uh, this girl that I ate drums for breakfast. I got your guys from Detroit chatting. I mean, great. East drums. <laughs> so I bring my drums to the to the to the uh, holy gully rehearsal place and audition. And I'm walking in with my drums, and Flea looks at me, and he's like, "Is that, is that your breakfast?" I'm like, "What the, what the fuck?" What? <laughs> <laughs> He's got this green mohawk. And at the time, I was like, rocker dude. Yeah, you were always the metal guy oh, with the long hair. Yeah, yeah, long hair, bandana, probably Metallica shirt. And I'm yeah. like, oh, get this guy out of here. Like, <laughs> And this was Sunset Strip, 88, you know, Guns N' Roses. Like, sure. All that, which was great, but not what the Chili Peppers were about. They were about, you know, the punk and, you know, what kind of funny haircut you had and your tattoos and all that. So they were looking at me like, oh, get this guy out of here, you know. <laughs> and, and, and we just started to play and... It all went out the window. Just the magic and the chemistry right off the bat? They were, I remember Anthony just laughing hysterically. Like, and I was, we're playing, we're like, "Ah, ah, ah." we're just like, this is kind of what we do today. Although back then it was all really hard and fast. And I was like, yeah, come on, motherfucker. And, and, uh, and I remember Anthony's just cracking up and, 
I'm like, I don't know if that's good, but eh, whatever. He didn't sing or anything, but the but the other we just jammed, cracking just, up at the chemistry that was I going get, on or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he later he was like, it was like Roman candles were going off. He was <laughs> like, it was like crazy. He goes, I just never seen anything like it. He was like, you were like pushing flea, and no, nobody had done that. Or, mm-hmm. but I was just like, I'm just playing. It's fun. These guys are good. This mm-hmm. sounds good to me. So yeah, that was it. And then I, you know, we made a record right away in Mother's Milk. In '89, and you know, it was it was really. I would have never thought that Red Hot Chili Peppers would be in the Rock and Roll, rock and roll Hall yeah. of Fame, or still playing, making relevant music in 2016, mm. and people still coming to see us and having young fans, and it's amazing. It's, it's almost really become amazing. like a multi. Well, has been become a multi generational band, like the Stones or Kiss of our era. And now the Peppers are the same, where you have young kids coming. That we do. I think it's just as cool as the people have been there since 88. You know, it's, it's I don't, yeah, and, and we never try to, you know, oh, I want to sound like this, or we want to be like that, or never have we ever tried to repeat ourselves or, or, or any kind of trend in music or anything like that. We just we just do what we do and, and try to keep changing mm-hmm. as, as people and as musicians and as band and write better songs and I think any great artist that's that's I'm not saying we're great but any 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 artist I think they need to do that you know and keep the eclectic keep, right yeah and just looking for new things mm-hmm. to make you grow mm-hmm. and um, all the influences that you do everywhere you go and people see and art and everything all goes into that and it all goes into the person that you are and 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 that's gonna come out of your personality of, of of your instrument sure. and then the four of us you know the chemistry is there like a team uh, whatever it is it's really a team you know being in a band mm-hmm. the chemistry is so important especially in our group where we don't have like one guy that writes the songs or um, it's a real democratic everybody has their creative input and is and is everyone is is um, encouraged to come in and and you know this is what i think in the way we write music you know we we improvise and jam a lot and songs come out of that or someone's got an idea whether it's a bass line or a guitar part a piano thing and somebody will come in but it's never a finished song it's just i got this idea and then we all jump in and do our thing and i think that's why we have a more identifiable sound if if we do and also as soon as anthony opens his mouth it's going to sound like a chili pepper yes so we can keep doing anything um and we're really fortunate to be able to do that as long as it's good mm-hmm. like anything you well, know? but that's the thing. there's only one like you know like acdc <clears throat> or slayer that can do a very similar style of music their whole career mm. but if you go to like you look at the beatles or u2 or zeppelin or guns and roses there's a lot of different styles of music pink floyd yeah. and the peppers are like that as well you know, I mean, and and if you've been around, you got to keep going. Yeah. You know, you don't want to keep doing the, the same thing, even though people say, oh, I, I wish, you know, you would do more songs like Blood Sugar Sex Magic or more <laughs> like California Kids. I'm like, well, I, we did those. Yeah. And I'm not 20. We're not 25 anymore. <laughs> yeah. we're, you know, this is what we do now. Well, you know. You know, you go to Germany and the Germans are so straightforward. I don't know as good as blood sugar sex magic. <laughs> I know, right? And they tell it right to your face. Oh, right to your face. Yeah, I had the two. You were better last time. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Sin and Bones is a much better record than Do You Want to Start a War? And I'm like, okay, how do I answer that? Sorry. We'll try better next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's okay. It's not as good as, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. We should make more songs like Give It Away, you know. So, 
you know, we play those songs and we love them, but this is who we are and what we do now. And yeah. The, and, and, and so, you know, you gotta, you gotta go out in the water a little bit and, and you see so your toes, you, aren't, you can't, you sure. know, you can't feel the bottom and, uh, and take risks. And that's the kind of music I, that's, that's what I like. I, those are the artists and, and that I, I just I, I like that. I don't like the sort of formula and thing that sounds. Were you the same. always that way? Like when you came out from Detroit in '88, were you looking to play in a metal band, or were you just were you always kind of an eclectic player? Because um, yeah, I, when I we talk, you love Kiss, you love Cheap Trick. I mean, we've been to concerts yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And, I don't. I love that. I mean, of the band, I'm definitely the rock guy for mm-hmm, sure. Not mm-hmm. to say that they don't like rock music, like. Flea loves Led Zeppelin and, and ACDC, but he Hendrix, knows. they all love Hendrix. Yeah, but growing up, for me, and I have to thank my brother who I was with at the Hall of Fame. Too. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that was him, and he was like, because it was a, you know they showed on TV, yeah, and like, they were showing like full you know, like screenshots of me and him and then he's like man i have more people calling me up i'm like yeah well we were kind of there in the front. yeah, yeah. there's one great shot that i took of you and i they yeah, showed us yeah, the doing cheap trick during cheap trick yeah we're both rocking awesome. <laughs> um but brad was a huge influence on me two years older than me he played the guitar and i started playing really young and he just loved all those late 60s, early 70s, like hard rock blues bands from England. Mm-hmm. So the Sabbath, the Zeppelins, you know, Humble Pie, Deep Purple, um, Queen, um, uh, you know, Bowie, Hendrix, you know, he's the American. Yeah. yeah, like the classic rock. But he loved all that stuff. And and early on, like he would have Queen 2, you know, and, and it wasn't until they got super popular and so I listened to all his records, you know, and, and wanted to play that kind of music early on. Obviously, those are all g- great bands. And, and for drumming, drumming as I, you know, was starting out drumming, so I'm listening to Ian Pace, John Bonham, Keith Moon, you know, Mitch Mitchell, like the best drummers. Mm-hmm. And I just love that music. I, I will love it forever. I mean, there's, there's, I never get tired of it. But then, you know, you move on and you, and, and, you start to listen to other stuff and and probably around early 80s i started to get into more into like funk music i was in a band in, in detroit called pharaoh <laughs> <laughs> yeah look for that pharaoh album yeah. good luck up on youtube now probably somewhere. <laughs> and i play with a per- there was a percussionist in the band his okay. name was larry fratangelo and he was he came from Parliament Funkadelic. He, it was in Detroit, and he played in P-Funk. And he taught me a lot about... We rehearsed and wrote songs for about almost a year. And he just kind of... He was older than me. To, kind of took me under his wing. I, I, like, I was... I could play, but I was, I was 20, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And he just, like... I don't know. He saw that I was a kind of a, you know... Not even a diamond. I don't know what in the rough, but <laughs> we just hung out, and we he turned me on to so much cool music, like oh, like Tower of Power, and uh, we would we would ride in his car, smoke joints, and go on on the way to to rehearsal, <laughs> and he would just always play me all this Isley Brothers, um, James Brown, um, like you know Meters, just like stuff that I didn't really know, you hadn't heard before, not really yeah. heard. You know, maybe heard some James Brown, but like. 
but to I, really listen to it though. and and yeah. and pick it apart listen in the second verse hear how the drummer breaks it down and then he lays out and doesn't come in on a two and like the band has to get quiet because they can't hear the drums it's like that's playing with dynamics that's being musical i mean normally i just bash away so we he really helped me go from being a drummer to a musician mm. And I credit Larry, that year was like going to like college, music mm-hmm. music school. And he was fantastic. And, and uh, so from then on, and then my mind and my ears kind of opened up to being, thinking more like a, a more well-rounded musician. So how to play with dynamics, how to build a song, sort of arrangement one-on-one stuff. Oh, you, do a, you don't have to do a fill every time, you know, make it mean something and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Which before that, I was just like, you know, Hey, look at this latest lick from Rush I got. I'm going to stick it in the song. It doesn't matter. Right. It's like, no, it doesn't work. And the song is king. That song, you got to play for the song. So, and, and you know, I always grew up listening to, like, Motown, and it was always on the radio, and and that's just some of the funky stuff. So, like, it's in there. It's all, it's all it was all in there, but I, I'd never been able to really sort of tap into that. And you know, so the you know, Sly and there's just so much great mm-hmm. music that I, I just sort of went back and sort of did my homework, and and I really wanted to get better. And it just, I think it's normal to when you're a young kid, you want to play a bunch of stuff and fast, and like a lot of kids these days, they just want to play super fast. And mm-hmm. That's great, but. I don't know how many songs you hear, and I wanted to be songs on the radio. You know, I was like, you know, you don't hear, you know, blast beats. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's 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 great, and I admire it, but it's not what I want to do. You know, it's that, that, and so I just wanted to make songs feel good, and you know, I just wanted to play real powerfully. It's kind of the way I, I've always played, and yeah, just you know, how about you? You talking about you know your tailor-made to play with the peppers from a musician standpoint but another thing about the peppers right from the start was always this crazy image that they had and the gimmicks that they had i was watching something the other day just stumbled upon it Uh, maybe it was woodstock or somewhere flea's just naked he's playing completely naked and he was literally like he used to do that and you could get away with it a bit more like back in the yeah late 80s no one had early early yeah (laughs) or cops or (laughs) i remember hightailing it man in, in green bay one time Running from the cops because you're showing pubic hair on stage. That's it's against the law. We must arrest you. <laughs> so it, you could when we weren't this sort of more popular, we could sort of get away with a little. We used to do crazy. Like shit. what other kind of stuff? I mean, like the light bulbs that would. We did the light time. bulbs at Woodstock, but we used to we used to we we did. I remember in Texas, of all places, mm-hmm. we were on tour in Mother's Milk time, and we did. Um, hors d'oeuvres and we we just put our cocks through through paper plates <laughs> and for the opening band we came out hors d'oeuvres and, <laughs> and then and then we thought it'd be fun just to do cock percussion where you just come out and you just beat your dick on a, on a mic you know like on a microphone like <laughs> we right. were kids yeah yeah yeah. this is our idea of like funny or fun we can't get away with any of that shit. <laughs> right <We'd be> like <laughs> spending the night in jail for a while so yeah i think it we felt woodstock was so big and he, it's typical with us, nothing too planned out. He's just standing, we're getting ready to go on. And he's like, should I go naked? I'm like, fuck yeah. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. Rip. And that's it. He may have had like just his tidy whiteies on anyway. Oh, right, right, right. But, but he, no, he just, like, they're not going to fucking pull us off stage because they don't 
And just and don't acknowledge it, and you watch his ass the whole show. And I've, yeah, I've seen his ass many times. Many, many, many times. Is this something where you sit down together, like, for example, the light bulb thing? Because it's like, okay, we're going to do, does anyone have any ideas? Or do yeah. they just say, Chad, put this on? Or do you say, put you know this what? on? It was, I felt bad because it was actually Dave Navarro's first real, oh. real gig with us. Yeah. When Dave joined our band. We maybe did a warm-up here in town, but that was our first gig. And he, he came from Jane's Addiction. They were real arty, and they were a great, great yeah. band. And poor guy, probably the last thing he wanted to do was put on a fucking look like a baked potato and a silver thing, a giant light, <laughs> light bulb head. And <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm in the wacky chili peppers now. Yeah, we used to be more conscious of trying to, you know, just do weird shit and kind of... Yeah. Kind of um yeah shake things up always very you know free about sexuality and, and everything else and you know because america's pretty uptight when it comes to all that stuff mm. so especially you're in europe in europe ago. huh especially 20 years ago even more oh so. yeah, yeah yeah in europe what though in europe we they were like they loved it uh-huh yeah we used to do that shit all the time it was great <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> uh more free you mentioned uh playing with dave and now josh josh is the guitar player yeah. To, and, and it's such an important part of the Chili Peppers legacy is John Frusciante, you mentioned. Yeah. And when he left, 95, came back afterwards. Was it hard uh, when you did the last record, the first, without without um, John in, in, in a long yeah, time? Yeah, well, you know, John Frusciante is an amazing musician. Maybe one of the, if not the most incredible musicians I've ever had the pleasure of playing with. He's, right. He's amazing. And I've obviously known him since he was 18. And he was in the band early. And we, we got, it was right when we were kind of went from, the band went from the sort of kind of, we were talking about kind of punky underground, and Mother's Milk came out, Higher Ground was on MTV, and we got a little bit more poppy, we had a gold album, mm. wow. But we were still playing, you know, theaters, and um, we weren't playing arenas or anything, and then when Blood Sugar came out, and music sort of shifted, and our, that was a great record that we did. And he was really a big part of that, as we all were. But he had felt like he was fully part of the band. Um, he was writing great songs. I think he felt, we all did, felt more comfortable. The chemistry was really there. It was a really exciting time for us. And, you know, him having him being in the band, he was amazing. He's an amazing guitarist, amazing arranger songwriter great harmonies on his vocals incredible yeah. and, and a student of of music you know just like if he was into you know the girl groups from the 60s he would go deep and find the why you know the great like whatever he was into drugs they, what he went, he's going all in he's all in yeah and then done and then now i'm now i'm into this now i'm into american history now i'm into you know he's that's his personality mm. but musically he was so passionate about all kinds of music, electronic music all kinds of stuff but it was a big part of of our band and i love john and i'm so thankful to be able to have that time with him and when he can and, and i think it was tough for him being so young and the band kind of blew up and you know you go from Two years ago, I've never been in a band before. I'm 18 years old, too. You're playing big arenas and your records are all over MTV. And it's, you know, he was just, he couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. So he left the group and then he came back and we had him for another 10 years and made some amazing music again. Um, he's incredible. So, yeah, John is, we, we love John and, and only wish him the best. And, you know, he's happy doing his thing. He just didn't want to do it anymore. He didn't want to 
do what it takes to be in a band, mm -hmm. which is not just write songs and record. It's a lot of other things. Being on the road, being away from home, all that sort of home, stuff. E yeah. Everything. It takes up your whole life there. For So having Josh come in the group, we knew him, and he had actually played uh, guitar on our last tour. He put, We brought him in to play second guitar. Oh, okay. And we could do some other songs that we that needed... Uh, backing stuff. He played keyboards. Josh plays everything: keys, bass, drums, guitars, sings. He's amazing, and he was just like the—he was the obvious choice for us. Mm -hmm. And we knew him, so he didn't have to like go through the dating process. Yeah, that's hard too. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, because like, okay, not the just, guy's great, but like, is he a weirdo? It's like, not just the time on stage; it's the time on the bus and everything and hotels else, and flying and everything. And yeah. you know, yeah, what kind of guy is he? Right. You know? So um, we knew him, so that was good, but. Yeah, coming into our group and and it was such an established thing and 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 uh, you know it was like okay you're in okay let's write songs yeah. now yeah, yeah 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 boom let's go and we wrote a bunch of songs records good I like I like I'm with you record but again it's it's now he's toured with us we've hung out musically personally he feels more comfortable so this record feels a lot to me like when we did John and I did Mother's Milk we were new guys and then integrated into the band, made Blood Sugar. It's a similar feeling to mm -hmm. me. It makes sense that, that he would just be more comfortable. And um, he's a great songwriter, great musician. We're lucky to have him. So yeah. when you guys start playing, like for the new record, for example, The Getaway, you mentioned before, you just get you just show up in a, in a rehearsal studio and say, what do you got? What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's good. <laughs> or not. Well, Flea has a little a little place in, in, uh, in down in Silver Lake. And we go in there, and we just uh, we just jam. We just literally just just I'll start a beat, or he'll play a bass line, mm -hmm. or somebody will have a riff, or not. Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's like, nah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> miss. But um, and sometimes song ideas come from that, and then other times somebody will have something from home, you know, that they wrote or came up with a one part or two parts. Never, mm -hmm. never a fully finished song. So those are the two ways that we sort of write our songs. And then, so we did that for about eight months. For the getaway. Yes, yeah. for this record. Exactly. It's coming out June 17th. <laughs> it might even be today, depending on what's Yeah, it's, maybe it's it out today. Yeah, okay. It's or yesterday. It's, 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 yeah. <laughs> hmm, we're in time travel here. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, I'm in Europe right now. <laughs> and and uh, so we were like, cool, yeah, we got a bunch of great songs. Everyone's feeling good about it. And then the producer thing com comes out, like, who, who who we should we use? And we've always used Rick Rubin. Did you the... use him on I'm With You as well? Yeah. Okay, wow. So this is like, yeah, that's like 10. It's six albums and 20, 22 years, five years or whatever, whatever it is. is straight, yeah. 91. Yeah. Something yeah, 91. 91. That's Blood Sugar, yeah. yeah. And we love Rick. And Rick is amazing. He's an incredible producer. Mm -hmm. But in the past, though, we've always like, eh, maybe we should try, you know, this guy we've met with, you know... Daniel Lenoir and different producers and, and then we've always kind of, nah, Rick's the one who's going to make these songs the best, you know, and we've always worked with him and we've had great success with mm -hmm. Rick. But we just felt, you know, this time maybe maybe we should actually get somebody else and we knew Brian Burton, a.k.a. Danger Mouse. We knew we knew him, actually, when he was in Gnarls Barkley, they opened for us in a, on a Stadium Arcadium tour. Gotcha. So we knew him personally and knew what he's done. He's produced a lot of bands, had a lot of great music. So we met with him. 
and we played him our songs that we had, and he's like, yeah, these are yeah, good. No, I like that one. Maybe that one, not so much. Yeah, I really like that one. Typical producer stuff. We had a bunch of songs. We always write, like, way too many. Mm-hmm. But they're not always good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you write yeah. 25, and you end up with 12 yeah, or yeah. whatever. But he's like, cool, man. I really like those, and, you know, that's great, and let's do it. And we're like, cool. So we're about three weeks away from recording, and Flea decides to go snowboarding. With Lars. <laughs> Two very competitive men. <laughs> yeah. And the last run of the day, you know, they're probably with their kids. I think they were with their kids, you know, and the kids went in and, okay, let's go. And so he's snowboarding, of course. He breaks his, his arm pretty bad, really <laughs> bad, actually. And so everything stops for six months. It took six months. It was a bad break. And he was freaking out. It was like. It was scary for a player, right? Yeah, and it was like fingers were numb, and and he was like, he, it was a really hard time for him. Mm-hmm. He was emotionally and spiritually really drained. I felt so bad for him, and 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 he finally came out of it, and he's he's totally fine. But it took a long time. It was like two months. The doctor said two months. I'll be back. I'm like mm. three months, four months, maybe so, two months if you're a normal guy. But two months trying to play those bass lines and have that control. Well, yeah, he's not. Hand. He's not going do do do. Yeah, he's yeah. not in an office answering phones. No, right? No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, you need need all. Yeah, and the pinky couldn't move. Yeah, the whole thing. So, if it was a leg, it would be fine. Yeah, just we did actually with blood sugar. I think he had a broken foot or something. That's the new thing now. Grohl did it. Yeah, Axel right. did it. It's right. like the hip thing now. Just stick in yeah. the chair. Get in the chair. The throne. <laughs> yeah, the throne. The gonna be, throne. Everyone's gonna be using it now. Yeah, right. Well, that'll be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so he so during that six months, we met with Brian Burton, and and he's like, you know, I dig your songs. The songs are cool, but if you really want to use my talent and what I'm good at, my forte, we should go in my studio and start from scratch. It's like write songs from scratch, wow. and we're like, what? What do you mean <laughs> write from scratch? You just start out with a drum beat, and then. We'll come up with a cool beat that we we like, and then we'll just layer stuff, almost in a hip-hop kind of way. And Brian comes from That's that his background, background, right? Yeah. And we're like, all right, mm, I don't know. And there was yeah. some trepidation and some, you know, everyone was like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad we did because probably six of the songs, probably maybe almost half of the ones that are on the record are ones that we did that way. The new ones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, off the like Dark Necessities, our first single mm-hmm. was a song that we wrote like that. And Brian's very musical. Like Rick doesn't play any instruments or anything. Brian plays a little bit of everything, and um, he's a studio rat. He just he's in there. He just loves to be in the studio, and that that was that was good for us, and and it challenged us to come up with a different way to to create a process, mm-hmm. and, and challenged us and. You know, and he, and, and he he wouldn't he wouldn't settle for you know oh, that's pretty good or I like that you know it's like the verse is really good but the chorus it could be better man I should be, I want it to be classic and he would come up with beats and he's like you got to come up with a beat that like when that comes on I know what song that is and I'm like really <laughs> that's so easy sure yeah right right everyone's got to walk this way in <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. rock and roll come on man <laughs> so we we. You know, we worked hard. We we did the whole record in fourteen weeks, but it's it, it was it was it was great. It was really fun. Once we got over the initial like, hmm. Once we were getting like really cool things and mm-hmm. great music, and sending them actually to Anthony wasn't even there when we were writing him. 
And he was just going, oh, man, I love this. It's great. We're great. So it was, everyone was on board. And once we got that flow going, we were like, okay, yeah, yeah. we're doing the right thing. That's the thing, too. Like, you know, I'm sure it was like when Metallica stopped working with Bob Rock, you worked with Ruben for so many years, it's probably, you know, exactly how it's going to work. It doesn't really push you as much as it might if you have a new guy on the team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's talk about, but, but talking about Blood Sugar Sex Magic, took Peppers from, like you mentioned, a theater band to a legit arena, huge, one of the biggest bands in the world at the time. Yeah. How did Crazy. you hook up with Ruben in the first place? We were trying to get out of our deal. We were on EMI records at the time. Mm-hmm. And we just, did, we had Mother's Milk out and we didn't, f- it came and did good, but we just felt the people at EMI just didn't have a clue to what to do with us. They had like, you know, Roxette and Richard Marks and it. You know, we just we didn't fit into their box. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just they, we had one person there. It was really great, but and it was what we were on record number five, and I think that was the last one of the contract. And and in the contract, it was a, it was like this many records in this many years, and if so, we just waited it out. Oh, okay. We did that, and they you know really wanted us because we were doing really good but we just didn't want to be on EMI so we went to all the records we did the rounds this is back when like big contracts yeah the 80s they were throwing money at us (laughs) and we were like flying to New York and getting wine and dined and it was it was fun and and uh we went to Warner Brothers and met with Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers you know is always it's local it's here in Burbank we're a real LA band and we and we we were we had Decided to sign with Epic because Epic came up with a monetarily mm-hmm. giant offer. And at the time, we're like, yes, we'll sign with them. How much? Yes. <laughs> yes. We will sell out. Yes, of course. <laughs> Greatest label at one day. Michael Jackson. Yes, we love them. <laughs> but Warner's had Jimi Hendrix, Neil Young, Prince. Like, Mo Austin, the president, started the label with Frank Sinatra Reprise back mm-hmm. in 60s, early 60s, something like that. We met with them, and, and they offered us, made an offer, but, it, you know, it was it was fine, but it wasn't what the epic one, and, and, and our we had, you know, young dollar signs, and we had to be in a big label, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they were having trouble getting us out of our EMI deal. They, there, was a, there was a bar, they had to, like, give them a song, or buy, you know, like a trading for a player or something. Right, right, you know, right. I'm going to give you two draft choices and some cash kind of thing. And it wasn't happening, and we were waiting, waiting. It's actually good because we were still writing songs. And during that time, we met with Rick, and Rick had American Records. Still does. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Deaf American. Back. Probably Deaf American. It was Deaf yeah. American. Deaf American. Back. From Deaf Jam I, I, to Deaf American. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the, when they had a, a funeral for Deaf American, I went to the <laughs> cemetery where they buried him. And Rick's like, you know, I love you guys. I think you guys are great. Even if you don't decide to go with my label, I would love to produce you guys. And we're like, you know, Slayer and all these kind of really like hard. You know, we're like, mm, I, don't, I don't know, man. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they like Slayer, but like nothing like us. We're right. Like, I don't know. And he had, to, you know, he'd done the Black Crows, which were really popular at the time. But we knew his history with hip hop, and obviously, you know, we've come from New York and Def Jam and Public Enemy and our Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys, yeah. So we had a lot of similar tastes. And Def American at the time was a smaller label, so we ended up signing with Warner because. I'll tell you what happened. We couldn't, EMI was, we couldn't get out of the deal, sorry, with it, when Epic wasn't really coming to, to the table with getting us out of the deal. And as it was going, we're like, are you there in New York? And, and when we decided to sign with them, Mo Austin, the president of Warner Brothers, called each of us 
at our houses. Wow. Call in the drummer. Hey, Chad, it's Mo. Hi, Mo. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I know you went with Epic, but, you know, good luck. And, and you know, we just, we loved you guys. And we just, we think the, the world of you. And, and uh, we, you know, really just, you know, really appreciate you coming down and mm-hmm. thinking of us, considering us. And I remember picking up the phone. I go, Fleet. I had the weirdest phone call. He goes, from Mo? I go, yeah. He goes, me too. I'm like, you did? He goes, and Anthony. I go, he's so fucking cool. He goes, I know, man. I think we're making a bad move going with Epic. You know, they're right here. Da, da, da. So we ended up signing with Warners for less money. But it's been great. And they were like, never, ever like, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? Or how much money? Or, you know, you should have this song out by then. They just total artistic they left freedom. you alone left us alone yeah and when we made blood sugar with rick and at this house now up in hollywood yeah this haunted house that's always the it room. was a little yeah well people think it's, it was houdini's mansion but houdini's house was across this laurel canyon it was in and there was actually a, a tunnel that went under laurel canyon wow which is kind of creepy <laughs> yeah but no it was an old yeah, just a crazy old house. I think a bunch of, I mean, there's so much history up there in Laurel Canyon. Like, you know, Hendrix has been there and the monkeys lived there. And yeah. A bunch of people back in the 60s and took a lot of acid and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see anything weird at the house? I didn't, but we had security guys there because we, we had all of our equipment and everything there. And we went through like three security guys who like sure they heard the piano upstairs wow i uh, saw some lady in a white dress out in the, yeah they i don't know if they were like up too long or smoking <laughs> weed or doing, i don't know what they're doing but they yeah we had a couple guys you know yeah no, 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 i'm out i quit <laughs> what no 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 no. <laughs> there's a lady in a white dress <laughs> what yeah she's up right out there i don't see anything all right, dude. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back to Seven Eleven for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it. You know, a lot of history up there. Who knows? But mm. but it was a great vibe. It was it was it, there was nothing creepy or weird, and we loved playing. We loved you know it, being in a house. In normal recording studios, you know, you know, they can be a little it's very sterile. Sterile, yeah. yeah, a little dentist office and other people coming in and out and. So I think it was Rick's idea. I was like, let's just let's let's rent a house, man. Let's just go up and we lucked out and and it was a it was a blast. We had mm-hmm. a lot of fun up there. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> shenanigans happened. We made our record. We made it fast. It went well and writing great songs and and um, yeah, I have very fond memories of, of of that time. Well, especially when you're talking about like Under the Bridge, which was your big breakthrough tune. I mean, give yeah. it away to an extent, but that was more of the old fashioned Peppers college rock funk rock but then under the bridge comes out which nobody expected no a ballad yes what what you can't do that <laughs> heard of. no and that's kind of the way it was too because anthony had this had written it as a poem i think and and i think rick was at his house one day and saw on his notebook his lyric book like well what's this you know oh, it's like a love letter to you know la and well, why don't you, you know, just make a song? No, it's not for the band. And and, and you, I think he sang a little bit of it, like all kind of. He had the melody, yeah. You know, <laughs> and as he would say, like all of how out of tune. And, <laughs> and 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 Rick was like, this is great. And you got to put do that for John. And have John come up with some chords. And that's what happened. And and 
Um, it's one of the only songs where the lyric and melody came before the music. Mm. One of the very few. It's always the music gets, inspires Anthony to, to come up with, with melodies and, and words. Um, maybe Californication, he had some words as, mm -hmm. as well. And he was all shy about it, you know. He's like, because uh, we, we'd never done anything, you know, yeah, exposed. Slow yeah. or, yeah, real stripped down. And and I remember I remember playing, yeah, it's cool, you know. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, this, this is, is the one. Be, yeah. yeah, people was like, did you know that when you wrote that song? <laughs> I'm like, no. We were like, it almost didn't make the record. Because really? we had Soul to Squeeze as well, oh. which is another slower, slower yeah. song. And we liked both of them, and we were like, I don't know, which one should we put on a record? I don't know. And, and I th maybe, I, I can't remember who. So ridiculous that you couldn't put them both on, because you can't have two ballads on one. No. Record. Come on. We're no, it's, yes, we're a rock <laughs> band. We can't, you know, that putting one on was, ooh, that's really pushing it. So, um, yeah, and I, you know, we played that song, how many years now? 26 years. We probably play it nightly. But it's a great song. Mm -hmm. It's a oh, good yeah. song. I don't care. Strip loud, soft, fast, hard. Good songs, good song. I still love playing it, and people love it. I can't tell you how many times I've had a kid in the street and walking down in Istanbul somewhere, and like, I get to tell you how much it's, 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 the, the under the bridge beats to me when I was having a hard time. You know, you know, yeah. like, you know they come up to you. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this little song we kind of made up in our garage in Hollywood, you know, it's like transcended. It's amazing how music amazing. affects people. God. You know? It's incredible because sometimes you kind of feel like being a musician is like, you know, you're an entertainer and you're kind it's, you know, like a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. Those are like real important jobs. Like being a musician, you know, sometimes I feel like, ah, you know, it's, it's a goof. I mean, it's just like mm -hmm. what I've done and I'm, you know, lucky to be in a band. But when something like that happens and when you can go play somewhere and people are connecting with it and it's and it's the they're going they're loving it and they're singing and they're smiling and it makes them happy and they forget about whatever the f is going mm -hmm. on or day and at night they come see you for two hours sometimes i'm like you know this is pretty ah, this is pretty good what we do this is pretty this is this is really see, something me, it's funny because you say that and then Earlier in this conversation, we're talking about Cheap Trick playing and you and I singing every word to Surrender and Dream Police. And that's the same feeling that people have when you do Under the Bridge is what we had that night. And it's, it, it, it's a time machine. It takes you back to a good time. The feeling that you get when you're 14, yeah. me, yeah. And, and hearing those songs, I can remember where I was and, and the feeling in my gut and and it's, and. and it's 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 fantastic music you know it's yeah. fantastic that yeah. it has that it has that effect and and uh you know not all is timeless but but when you can connect with something you get lucky and all the planets align man and, and you get a one one song that works and people connect with it it's it's it's, it's a magical thing yeah it's magical man. i was yeah, gonna well, ask you about with with rick i mean um and in my opinion, I'm not just saying you're one of the best drummers in the world, if not one of the best. Rock Absolutely drummers right. In the world. Yes. You are, you are the best rock drummer uh, in the world. Uh, Chris, you are a man of <laughs> fine taste. I knew you were handsome and powerful, but also smart as well. Yes. But you became almost Rick's house drummer. <laughs> Rick's boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, did, what have you played on? I've played, I've been fortunate. Yes, Rick, you know, my relationship with him for a long time. Um, 
I've got to play with some of the greatest music. I've got to play with Johnny Cash. Wow. I played on a, with Johnny Cash. Amazing. Mm. He was doing those 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 American recording records, I want to say 94, 93, 94. And um, Rick, had, Rick had done, I think he'd done it all just him. Or sorry, Johnny, John. John like Very raw. Yeah, just him with his guitar and singing. No band. And then Rick was like, let's see what these songs would sound like with a band. And I know he got the Heartbreakers on some of the stuff, mm. which was great, and some other people that he'd been working with. But he, he was like, let's try it with Flea and Chad and Mike Campbell from Tom Petty's band. I think that was it. And so typical Rick, I'm sitting at home one night, and he calls me about 6 o'clock. And, hey, what's going on? Hey, it's Rick. Oh, hey, Rick. What are you, what are you doing, Chad? I'm having dinner. You want to come down to... Um, I think it was called East, uh, it's East West, but it's Ocean Way at the time, which yeah. is a little studio down in Hollywood, which is very close to my house. Yeah, I'll, I'll come down. Yeah, it's just, yeah I'm going to want to play with Johnny Cash. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't see me. I'm running. Yeah, right. <laughs> the phone is dangling. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm the first one there. And I walk in, and and the studio is a very famous studio, the Beach Boys, everyone, Sinatra, everyone had been there. It's old Hollywood. And we had done uh, some records there. We've done lots of them now. But back then, we. but I'd worked there before. Anyway, so I walk in, and you walk past the control room, and there's nobody in the control room. Okay. I keep walking. I go into there's a big the big tracking room. I'm going to check my drums and see if they're there and make mm -hmm. sure everything's okay for Johnny Cash. And in the little vocal booth, which is like the size of a closet where people sing because they're, so they're isolated from the band so it doesn't bleed into the microphones, I see Johnny Cash standing there, smaller than, smaller than this. And he's got a music stand, and his glasses are down around his nose, and he's got his guitar, and he's looking through some music. And I'm like, walk up, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I mean, in my house, when I was growing up, my dad, Johnny Cash, Frank Sinatra, and Elvis, pretty much that's what we heard. Some other, like... My dad was kind of a hillbilly. All right, but those are, are your staples. Though. Those, yeah, those yeah. are the staples. Yeah. And like, I'm like, this is old people's music. <laughs> Volume four by Sabbath. This, this is the shit. But luckily, it was great music. And and so, I walk up, and I'm like, nervous, like nobody's business. And I'm like, I'm Mr. Cash. I'm Chad. I'm the drummer. And he goes, and he turns to me, and he goes, Hey. I'm Johnny Cash, like in that voice. And I'm just like, I can't do it. But I was like, I know. Mm. And he immediately is like, you know, I got this song from uh, Dolly Parton uh, that she wants me to do. It's called Bird on a Wire. Um, uh, goes like this. Starts playing, starts singing this. I'm as close to you. Starts singing the song in that voice. And I'm like, what do you think of that? I go, oh, that's great. Yeah, we should do that. That would be great. I had this other one from this this kid, this Danzig boy that that Rick knows. It's called 13. What do you think of this? He plays. I'm getting a private Johnny Cash concert. Concert. I just met the guy. And I'm like, yep, that's great. We should do that one, too. He sounded so great. And he was the coolest. I mean, immediately we were peers, like, like you know, he just, you know. It, he, 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 if Rick is bringing you in. Then he knows you're the real deal. So let's get down I, to business, right? Well, I hope you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I I appreciate that, and 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 yeah, he was. But the whole session, you know, we came in, we played. He was always asking, you know, well, what do you think? Should we do that, or maybe we should go to the chorus earlier? And what do you think, Chad? And I'm like, um, 
mm, yeah, it sounds good like that or no or whatever. But it was um, refreshing that that he was just, you know, open to anything and, and was really embracing mm-hmm. having Rick, who was so great with him. I think if Rick didn't do anything else, the stuff he did with Johnny Cash was so important, certainly at that time in his career. And what a important person, mm. an iconic person that Johnny Cash is and was. But, yeah, to be able to do that, you know. Anyway, we did a bunch of stuff, and it, like five songs. It was it was amazing. It was it was a highlight. If my dad was alive, he would have he would have <laughs> he would he would have finally made he it. He would have been like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you play with Johnny Cash, mm, that's pretty good. All right, <laughs> but I, you know, Dixie Chicks records. I got to play with them. I'd done everything from Wu Tang Clan to Kid Rock. You did Kid Under, Rock yeah. with him. I did. Um, you know, Avid Brothers, ZZ Top, lot, lot. Jennifer so let me Nell. ask you this: Why, why would he bring you in for a ZZ Top record? Because, right? Because they have Frank Beard, yeah, who's who's great. Because sometimes guys aren't nailing the part or something like that, maybe. Or I think it was just two songs he, mm-hmm. he had me play on, and for whatever reason, they, they wasn't getting the, what gotcha. he was looking for. And I've done that a few times where he just kind of calls me in, not to do the whole record, but just like, oh, there's a, a song and that try this do this and it's probably because he wasn't happy with mm-hmm. what was played but uh yeah he's you know he lives out in malibu and he's got this old shangri-la studio mm-hmm. that the band used to have mm-hmm. bob dylan's uh mobile winnebago's in the back and it's beautiful it's by the ocean in most studios you know you're like out in the parking lot in the valley somewhere and it's yeah, yeah. Like 100 degrees <laughs> yeah yeah this is like Shangri-La, right. it's, it's fantastic. So, yeah, I've, I, you know, it's five minutes from my house. So, did you? Ever... Maybe that's part of it. He's like, oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he'll be here. In like, he's easy. He's yeah, around. he's easy. But um, I think, you know, did I, you I've ever had some great experience? Did you ever have any uh, talks about doing the Sabbath record? I was surprised that you didn't I, do thirteen. I, th- and that was the thing. I called him on that, and I heard. I was like, dude, isn't there like one song? Yeah, of you all did? the bands you have me yes. play, I can't do Sabbath. He's like, nope. Brad sounds great. Nope, really. Good. I was like, Dah! were you like, were you not available when they started, or no, was it they, just, he just wanted Brad? He, you know, no, he he he. Maybe I, Brad did a great job. Oh yeah, yeah. Brad did a great job. Yeah. Not, and and it's not is it's. Uh, I just yeah, selfishly, I would yeah. be like, oh my god, can I hit a symbol or anything, please? Yeah, I play a tambourine in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I want my name next to geezers, <laughs> whose name is Terry. Yes, I did not know that. You didn't know that? No, very unrock and roll name. Yeah, which is why it was geezer. so much. Because I was, I went to this charity event recently, and he was playing, and they were honoring Glenn and and Glenn Hughes and from Deep Purple and Robin Zander, and they were doing uh, Matt okay. Sorum did this thing. Oh, like the Varvados thing or something like that. It was no, it was it was for a, uh, okay. adopt adopt the arts. Okay. That, that Matt Sorum. Uh, does for kids for music and art, which is great. And uh, Geese was on it, and I and Glenn, who's known him forever, all those you know Midland dudes all know each other. And he's you know, Terry, you know. I'm like Terry. <laughs> you never knew that all these years. No, oh, I never, that's hilarious, man. I was a magazine reader, so I read every damn thing, so I knew that. Okay, from, yeah, but Geezer. So talking just a few more things. You mentioned it earlier, talking about Coverdale uh, calling you Will Ferrell. Yeah, Coverdale looking like an old woman. (laughs) (laughs) He was looking rough. He, he had, I don't know what, you know, he had some stuff done and he had a lot of makeup on. But he also had the gloss and, and the he had hair. The, the hair. That was like a weird Phyllis thing. Diller or something. He had great hair, but not when you're like 
65 or whatever he is. It's just too much hair. It was weird. Yeah, weird. But but yeah. how the, the famous thing, it was like for years, people go, oh, yeah, Chad Smith looks like Will Ferrell. Then then you finally, I'm, I'm sure you were probably sick of hearing that through years. Do you think it was fun or did you even see the resemblance? Um, A little bit, yeah, a little bit, but not to where, I mean, people would come up to me. I mean, I go to Laker games, right? Laker games all the time. And people come up to me and they're like, you know, you take a picture. Convinced. Convinced. Like, I'm like, sure, you know, because some people are like, oh, you know, I love your band or I think you're a good drummer. Oh, thanks. And so they're like, you know, you are so funny. I just, you know, Elf is my favorite movie. <laughs> I mean, um, and, and I'll, I used to be like. No, I know, no, but actually, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm. You know, I, I play in a, in a band, and, and people are like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. So now yeah. I just, I was just like, it's easier just take the picture, and they go Get away. Way, Except right. this one kid. So this one kid, I was playing in a, a charity hockey game, like the ones that we. We're going to talk about that. At yeah. The end, yeah, and and it was in L.A., and. I think we played before the game or at halftime or in the middle of the period or something. And, and we played and I'm standing there and a kid comes up to me. He's a little Asian kid. He comes up to me. He's got one of those little little hockey sticks, little, you know, things you can buy from yeah. the concession stand. Are you signing time for me? Oh, sure, man. Sign, give it back. Comes back like two minutes later. What to say? Nova Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> I crushed him. But anyway, so yeah, for years... I've been getting it, you know, and it's be, he become more popular now. He's a big movie star, but when he was on Saturday Night Live, you know, it was it was a little bit. But once he get, you know, became what we know as today, it's a huge international superstar. Mm-hmm. I've been getting a lot. So, fast forward to whatever uh, I can tell you about the first time that we met. Oh, that yes. Do you know that? You, no, I don't know oh, the story. No. First time we met, and he and I told him about this, and he doesn't even remember. Did people ever tell him he looked like the drummer from the Chili Peppers? He did, did. Okay. But he got it like... It's not know, the same. No. Yeah. Like once in a while, he's right. obviously much more famous. Yeah. Um, but we had mutual friends like Woody Harrelson and, and, and they'd be like, you know, hey, you know, the guy in the Peppers. He's like, yeah, you know, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, we're at... He was in a movie. Um, you remember the offshoot Ladies Man from Saturday Night Yeah. Night? Yeah. yeah. The Ladies... Yeah. The Ladies Man. <laughs> yeah. They made a movie out of it. Yeah. That. <laughs> one of the many, one not of the many great, not movies. so much. Yeah. yeah, let's from that skit, let's make a movie. Yeah. Anyway, he's in it. I'm at the um, the screening or something. I was dating a person at the time who worked at Paramount, and we went to like a screening. It wasn't the premiere. It was in like on the lot, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the cast and some people. Not a lot of people. We watched a movie afterwards. There's a little buffet, and you go eat and have your drinks or whatever, and, and there's a buffet. And I see Will Ferrell over there, and I'm like, eh, nah, I'm not going to go up to the guy or say anything to him, you know, whatever. So I I'm, I go over, and I'm getting my chicken skewers and my shrimps or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a guy next to me, and then Will walks over, and he starts making a plate of food, I guess. And I'm with my food, and as soon as I turn to walk away... The guy between us walks away, and Will and I literally turn to each other with our food, right? And he looks at me, and he looks me up and down, and he goes, you're very handsome. <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> and I was like, that's funny. He's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't remember that at all. <laughs> so we never met. Fast forward, we played at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Yeah. 
And a couple of days after, he was doing a Reddit AMA thing. And one of the questions was, you know, you you look like the drummer from Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he went into this thing and like, no, it's impossible. There is no Will Ferrell, only Chad Smith. I'm, so I hear about this. I'm like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> Let's see how good you can play the drums. <laughs> and we have our drum off. So how, the, how did this come about? Like, did Fallon call you? or No, no. He, I sort of. I think, I don't know, I can't remember exactly. You challenged him? I challenged him. Yeah, I said, okay, you say you're me, you're crazy, you're delusional, da 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 yeah. I called him out. I'm like, I challenge you to a drum off. And then he, he said, if we can raise X amount of money, I can't remember what it was, three or $400,000, I will accept your challenge and I will accept your drum off challenge. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was. Something funny like that. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, like, a week later, $400,000 for Cancer for College, which is his charity. So then we're like, okay. So he calls me. Hey, Dan, thanks for doing this. It's so great. And, you know, really super nice. I saw you once shopping at Barney's, but I didn't want to come up to you. And I'm like, <laughs> I saw you once at this thing, but you remember you told me I was handsome? Nope. Okay. <laughs> and he was super nice. And so I first thought Saturday Night Live would be a good place to do it, the cowbell. And, right. And he was like, nah, you know, uh, I think, you know, they won't get it, the bit, you know, the thing between me and you. We should do it maybe on a, on a, on a chat show, maybe Conan or, or – and Jimmy Fallon had just kind of started his mm -hmm. show. And I said, well, you're friends with Fallon. You know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I said, I think we should do it on Fallon. He said, well, okay. Because Jimmy loves that Perfect for it. So, Yeah, and he's and he musical. He loves music. He and loves, exactly. You know, and then he asked me, did you think your guys would come out and play? You know, and I said, sure, yeah. And the guys were like, oh, great. We finally put an end to this Will Ferrell crap, right? And I'm like, yeah, this will be great. We're in the same place, finally. So they're like, oh, we need you to send some clothes that you'll be wearing. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, whatever you would wear. I'm like, okay, I wear jeans and a T-shirt. Yeah, so you just send that to the, you know, Tonight Show. I'm like, okay. Then I know that they wanted him to oh, you dress didn't know that. No, I didn't know why. <laughs> I should have put two and two together. So we go to the thing. I get there. I see him. We're hanging out. I'm like, yeah, you, kinda, you know, maybe in the eyes a little bit, you know. Yeah, but he's tall, big guy. And so we, okay. So we, I, I walk by his dressing room like 15 minutes later, and he's dressed like me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hat on backwards. Hat, shoes. I think it was a kiss shirt. Kiss yeah. shirt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is creepy. He does look like me. Oh, God, this is going to be weird. So we, we get ready to do the show. And I don't go on chat shows and talk. I'm As the star, yeah. I'm the drummer. I yeah. sit in the back. I'm happy with that. I'm kind of nervous. We're literally standing right before the show is about to start. And he turns to me and he goes, hey, what about when we go out there? You be me and I'll be you. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> go i'm like so it worked out great because i just had to like be the straight guy yeah i didn't have to be the mad guy that you said you're me and he just went and did his thing and and then we drummed off and the band came on and played the Buell Bloister cult song and he got the cowboy yeah and people loved it it was brilliant and everyone went nuts so we were like wow who knew that like just because a couple guys sort of look like each other i know will's a big star or whatever but so let's do some good. So three weeks ago, we did a thing at the Shrine. Oh. And, and we had, and he goes, I'll bring some comedians. You bring some music and some drummers. We'll have another drum off. 
and we'll raise money. And I was like, yeah. And and so I got Devo and Chili Peppers played a set. And then and he brought some comedians, Jim Gaffigan and some other guys. And he kind of emceed and did some stuff and sold out in, in two days. Yeah. It was great. And uh, then we had a drum off. And the drum off was <laughs> we weren't going to battle each other anymore. We've done that. Boo. <laughs> but we have teams. Okay. And on my team, I've got Taylor from the Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. I got Tommy Lee, rock <laughs> legend, and my last drummer, Stuart Cope. Oh, geez. I win. Yeah. Right? Totally. I win. Can't beat that. He's got a 14-year-old kid from Brentwood, <laughs> uh, Fred Armisen, who's funny, who can play, yeah. but, you know, he's a funny guy. And then he brings out Mick Fleetwood. Okay. Who plays Tusk in the whole U.S. Ah. marching band <laughs> comes down the freaking aisle way and on stage I lose again <laughs> he got you got and, and, I, and I bet you the 14 year old kid was a badass too he was pretty good there you go he wasn't bad he <laughs> wasn't bad but, well, but it was great and it was good spirit and we raised a bunch of money for our church I was so happy for you I was like for, for finally for the first time Chad is the most famous guy in the Chili Peppers <laughs> that's, what, that's what the other guys in the band too they were like wow that one week like I actually I'm in this turnaround arts program that, that the president runs and and uh, some artists, your ambassadors to underperforming schools. You want to put art and music in schools, and so I went and I met Obama and and Michelle Obama and my son met him and hugged him and and uh, that was like on Tuesday and then on like Thursday I'm on the Tonight Show and like the guys are like, "Geez, Chad, you <laughs> wow, you want to be on the cover of the next record like <laughs> Angus Young on every DC record." <laughs> <laughs> See, now they were like, wow. You know, but uh, now it's like every other day, it's like, yeah, I saw that thing on the Tonight Show. That was really funny. You're really funny. I'm like, oh, I know. Okay, yeah. I think it's one of those things on YouTube that has like 50 million hits or something like viral. Yeah, no, it went you know? viral crazy. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. <laughs> last yeah. last story. Um, the first time we ever met was at the Christopher Reeve. Yes. Super uh, Skate. Super Skate. Which was such a great thing, and I was excited because I'm a big Peppers fan from, you mentioned 88 and beforehand, and said, Chad Smith will be there, he's a goalie. I'm like, oh, of course. If you're a drummer, you're crazy. If you're a goalie, you're crazy. crazy. If you're a drummer and a goalie, you're out in left field. <laughs> That's Forget me. it. That's me. So do you remember what we did, though? Like, we... oh, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> and I was really happy to meet you, and I was like, I was like, wow, and you're like, I'm a big fan. So we had a mutual thing. It was great, and he was like, I love music. And I'm like, wow. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm playing goal. Sort of. I, I'm not really playing goal. I'm wearing the equipment. It's <laughs> standing there. Yeah, I'm standing. I'm not moving too. But how much. cool is that? We got to play hockey in the garden. In the garden. Yeah, awesome. in Madison Square Garden Fantastic. against some Rangers and some celebrities and the, the whole who's thing. A, uh, who's the guy with the great hair? Uh, was on the Rangers. Tim Ron Duguay. Ron Duguay. Yeah. Great hair. Yeah. Still <laughs> great hair. Still. Still great. Just his hair. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> no, I got to do a few of those things. It was great. I got to play in Boston Garden before the Garden went mm -hmm. down with the, with the with the um, Kenzie brother. Oh, oh that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Those things are fun. But um, yeah, so I'm playing goal, and about halfway through, I think we're going to switch or bring in another goalie, or I was going to play for the other team, or something like that. And you, and at the end of the first period, you come over and you go, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm like, what? You're like, I'm going to come down. I'm going to, like, bump the net. And then you're going to get, like, really mad at me, right? And I'm like, this is, like, WWE. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> yeah? And then you, like, grab my sweater and you pull it over. And then we're going to kind of, like, 
<laughs> we had a whole thing. I was like, okay, 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 okay. And then, you know, girl, you go on to the ground, and you know, and then I pull the sweater over, and that'll be it. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> so, Chris, very nice that he, he took it easy on me. Comes down, we bump. I get very angry, and we're we're going at it a little bit. Of course, goalie in these charity games, the the, the Normal players, they don't even think they wear. You don't wear a helmet, no. Maybe, yeah, maybe but most people don't. Yeah, it's not, there's no. It's not a lot of uh, mm. checking or any yeah, sort or of slap shots. No, or anything, so, yeah. no nothing too yeah. or fast. Yeah, it's all kind of for fun. So Chris is unprotected, and I got my goalie mask on, and we're, we go, we go, we get onto the ground, and I, I got a little caught up in the moment. <laughs> I, I start just kind of swinging at him, and I, bl- I gave you a bloody nose, right? I can't believe it. And I, I really didn't even know. And he was like, ah, Chad, you're taking it this little too. <laughs> but it was great. You're like, you're like, okay, pull a sweater. Okay, now, now throw me a couple lefts. Okay, push me down. It was, I was calling the spot. You're totally. It was so fun. <laughs> because what I used to do every year, because it's a charity game, so I'd always get in a fight with somebody. Yeah. Every I got in a fight with Dennis Leary once and yeah. whoever the hell it was. And then when I saw him, I was like, oh, he, like, right off the bat, this guy's a good dude. Yeah. I bet you he'll want to do this. Oh, yeah. And so when we did the thing, I said, I'll swing at you. You move back and attack me. <laughs> And I, I remember you, you just hit me and go, holy shit, this guy's <laughs> nailing me. Take it easy. And I had, the next day I had a blender, but I also had like a, a mouse above my eye. No! <laughs> I had to go to work. And what happened? It's like, oh, I got in a fight with the drummer from the Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome. That was so great. Such a great way, man. And we've, was, been, we've been friends. And that, yeah, that, and that's how friendship starts <laughs> yeah, right exactly, there. Exactly, exactly. No, you were such a good sport about the whole thing. I didn't even know, but I was, you know, Madison Square Garden, you yes. know. So dude. much fun to be involved in that, man. Yeah, you know? I mean, obviously great charities, but... but you know, you get to live out your your little childhood Absolutely. dream. You know, that's one cool thing when you get to a certain level, like you mentioned, to go play hockey in the garden with the Rangers. It was like I don't think I've played much since then because I'm so spoiled now. Where it's like you can't top that. <laughs> what am I gonna do? You know, go play at the rec hall with a bunch of you know, yeah. the, you know the beer leagues or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It is. No, it, it uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I I got to do one. And I have a picture of, of myself and Gordie Howe <sighs> and Mario Lemieux. Oh, man. And I'm like, because I grew up in Detroit, so right. Gordie, Gordie Howe. That's the guy. And, uh, and so I was like, man, this, you know, wow, this doesn't get much, get much better than that. Yeah, I didn't get much better <laughs> than that. So, no, I've been fortunate to be part of a few of those things. It's been a while. I think that I think probably lost my number i you know, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, re- I, I retired <laughs> right right i was terrible but i just loved when i was a kid i played sports and i loved stuff with equipment i, I always wanted to be the catcher mm. i wanted to be the goalie i want you know and and, and and drumming i don't you know whatever i started really young but something attracted me to whether it's stuff but also <laughs> yeah. Like you're the anchor, you're you're yeah. kind of you're the heart, you're the you're the Good point, you're the, you know, quarterback, and, and yeah. you're the quarterback, so to speak, and and that somehow in my whatever I don't know, it's part of my personality, but I, I it's it's um, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, hmm, why do I get attracted to? <laughs> you like carrying gear around? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Why do you think I'm a singer? <laughs> yeah. I show up with a mic stand and a microphone, and I leave. How many nights? <laughs> I'd be like hammered. I'd be looking in the drums of the last thing, just sitting there. <laughs> Everyone else took their amp, and the guy took his mic, and I've got this 
12 piece wannabe rush drum set that's got to go in the back of my car and screws uh, and unhook the cymbals. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. But <laughs> last I was never the glory. I, was, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to be, you, you know, know I wanted to be the man behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Last question. Uh, yep. It's a two prong one. What's your favorite Chili Pepper song to play live? Uh oh. And oh, he's your, asking, he's saving a tough one. Yeah, and what's your favorite? Do you have a, a favorite obscure Pepper song on one of the records or maybe on the new record that, that you haven't really played much? Favorite to play live. Well, the new ones are always going to be, we mm. haven't really done it yet. And as you know, when you got a new record, it's like so fun to play the new stuff. We played Dark Necessities in Columbus the other day, and it was like, it's great woo, yeah. yeah, everyone's all excited. People are like, yeah, yeah okay. the band is excited. The band is like, what, what is this? What? I never heard, what is this? <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to play new songs, but but I, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of depends. It really it depends. It changes. Mm -hmm. It changes depending on the vibe of the room. Yeah, the place and where we are on tour, and and you know, give it away is always fun to play. Um, people love that. It's always usually our last song, <laughs> which is always the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm done after this. No, we're. Uh, I'm so fortunate to be grateful to be able to play our music for people, but. Um, the obscure song. There's a song on. Maybe it's not that obscure because the record was kind of popular. But on Californication, there was a song called Porcelain, mm. which is a re. I, actually, I think it's the only song I ever played brushes on, ah. Chili Peppers on. And it's a really kind of weird. Interesting. Yeah. Great choice too. Yeah, I really like that song. It's really heavy and moving and 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 powerful and like, but it's really sparse and mm. kind of sounds like a broken record a little i don't know something about it just like we captured that thing and yeah i like that i, I mean and i don't think we play it live yeah yeah I didn't play it live but it because it's kind of weird when people be like what <laughs> but but um yeah that's that's one that i one that I kind of Dude, it's great yeah. talking to you, man. This has been great. Thank you. So we didn't get to talk about you. Oh, we don't have to talk about Come you. Come on. Got a podcast, you can talk about me. Huh, talk about you. I got to get my own and, podcast. And, 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 and some, in a couple days, I'll text you, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Carlos. <laughs> yes. Mrs. Carlos, if you're listening to this, <laughs> Mrs. E. Carlos, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> All right, the new Red Hot Chili Peppers record is called The Getaway. It's out today. You know where you can get it on Amazon, and please use those Talk is Jericho Amazon links. If you do, uh, go to Podcast One, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, eh? then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for Canada, USA, and the UK. No hidden fees or extra charges. Amazon just kicks back a small percentage of what you purchase to this show to help us cover production costs. So get the new Chili Peppers record, The Getaway. Support the Peppers. Support Talk is Jericho in the process. Thank you so much, as well, by the way, as well, to Chad Smith for taking the time to appear on the show. Great conversation. Can't believe how fast it went. Funny guy, man. It's super, uh, just a cool vibe. Good guy to be around. And I was really, uh, really honored and excited to get a chance to talk to my old friend Chad. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to have him back very soon. Although, it looks like he's going to be on the road for a while because the Chili Peppers start their tour June 29th in Denmark at the Roskilde Festival. They're doing a bunch of summer rock festivals uh, in Europe before doing a full European headlining tour this fall and then heading back into the States uh, either late this year or early next year, and you do not want to miss the Red Hot Chili Peppers live. They are one of the best live bands you could ever see and ever will see. RedHotChiliPeppers.com. Go check them out. Check out The Getaway. Thank you to Chad Smith, and thanks to you guys for listening. And if you don't already, uh, already subscribe to this podcast, get yourself, get your ass to uh, iTunes and hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and leave a comment or two and a five-star rating while you're there. We love your feedback and your comments and ratings are what keep us moving up the iTunes charts. 
and give us some presence on there. So once again, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you listening uh, to the show and keep listening for the 60 second AP news updates coming up next. Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love and hugs. You have a great weekend. And next Wednesday, number one movie in the world today right now is the conjuring Two. Uh, have you seen it? It's terrifying. Have you seen the original conjuring even scarier dealing with the Perrin family and the haunted house they lived in for years and years and years uh, on the show on Wednesday, Andrea Perron will be here. Uh, it's going to be the true story behind the conjuring. You think watching the movie was scary? Wait to hear the real stories of what really happened to the parents in their household that inspired the movie, the conjuring that inspired the movie, the conjuring Two. Andrea is going to be here and trust me, it is going to give you goosebumps. A lot of people always say, when you have another paranormal show, when is your next, uh, your next ghost stories or UFOs or whatever. I got the, the granddaddy of the ghosts, the granddaddy of the haunted houses, the granddaddy of the demonic possession that the Perrin family went through. Uh, Andrea Perrin is going to be here on Wednesday, so do not listen to this podcast at night. It's going to scare you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Have, take care and a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.